You know how they say fake it till you make it, mate? It's um it's kind of the case uh this week because you know this is this is a podcast I uh I love with every fiber of my being and I wouldn't want to be doing anything else, but as we speak right now, I would rather be anywhere but here. <laughs> I'm feeling so fucking rat shit. I was gonna say that being said, you are in your home. I am in my home, but uh yes, the residuals from last week, of course. I uh had COVID on the show last week. And because of the fact that we're recording these episodes back to back, I've still got it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not feeling great at all. But I guess if we had waited a week, you'd be over it, right? Seven days is what they reckon. I would have. And it's very, very unusual for us to do an episode back to back. We like to record these as close to the, the release date as possible. But hey, shit can't be helped. And the actual reason that we're doing it is because of Monster Fest, which uh, you are smack bang in the middle of right now in actual real time. I am indeed. I hope it's going well. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> of course it is. Imagine if there's been some headline breaking sort of fucking incident that's happened at Monster Fest and we're just unaware of it because it hasn't occurred yet. It hasn't occurred yet, yeah. <laughs> yeah let's, knock on wood that nothing, nothing untoward has happened. Well, the listeners can let us know. Hey, this is an episode that almost wasn't, then it almost was. Because uh, the original plan was to have the American action star Chad Michael Collins sit in for the entire episode. Um, he's been on the show before. He is the star of Sniper 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. But his schedule got hectic, and then we had to bump it down to a regular 20-minute spot on the show. And then his filming completely cock-blocked us entirely, and he couldn't appear on the show, which left us sort of with a theme for no apparent reason. And then... At the last minute, it all came good again, and now he's on the show in a 20-minute sort of capacity. So, <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird one. The joy of podcasting weeks in advance. <laughs> so, what that means is, because this has been so topsy-turvy, I don't really give a shit which way this show goes, mate. So, if you want to talk about movies that aren't related to this at all, go for it. Well, that's too bad, because my films do relate to it. <laughs> well, perfect. Then I shouldn't have said anything. We're talking yeah. about <laughs> sniper and assassin movies. Hang on, I've got a drink. <laughs> now this is going to be a hard one to get through. With that, just come back to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, there's there's going to be a lot of that, I think. So apologies in advance to everybody who are only what two minutes in and already I'm I'm off. But um, this is this is a good movie Monday. Hello, everybody. Welcome. We are the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. Uh, Glenn Cochran would be my name and uh, Ben Helwig would be his. How are you, mate? I'm good. That's my nom de plume. That's my stage name. That's <laughs> your uh, stage name? What? My, <laughs> got, uh, I always thought I should, I should have a stage name. Uh, I, I couldn't even handle I had two. I had two Facebook accounts. <laughs> one, one for personal and one for work. I couldn't even handle that. Mate, you've got the kind of surname that everyone would love to have. It, it's very much a stage name. They would love to have it until they actually have it. And then, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. when you are 
when you are a Cochrane, you come across Cochrane quite a lot. <laughs> quite a lot, yeah. Yes. Well, Hellwig, when you're when you're bald, Hellwig is not a great name. <laughs> oh geez, I shouldn't have done it. <laughs> that never occurred to me, and I love that. And you know, I knew I knew from a young age, I knew from about twelve that I was going to have trouble because my hairdresser <laughs> at the time was like, "Oh, nah, look at that thick head of hair. You'll be fine." <laughs> the minute they say that, you know you're in fucking trouble. Oh, uh, what's been cracking since last week, mate? <laughs> oh, a lot. A lot. I, uh, I, I watched. I watched half of an episode of the Bill <laughs> in between. In between the last episode of this one, <laughs> excellent. Let me tell you, it was a cracker of an episode. A uh, <laughs> a punter had thrown a prostitute out of a car during a police raid, and they tracked him down. And they think it's like a top judge. Ooh, I don't know. And yeah, Ted Roach. Ted Roach is insistent that that's who it is. But uh, they're getting a lot of pressure from the top because the the judge has connections. <laughs> Are you excited that Neighbours is coming back? I'm more excited about the uh, second half of this episode. <laughs> of the bill, not of the podcast. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was going to say welcome to any newcomers that we have because, um, you know, it's always important. But I think by the time they get to this part of the conversation, they're... Um, they're <laughs> they're gone. <laughs> They'll be like, I thought this was supposed to be about nerdy cinematic ramblings, and all these guys talked about is COVID and the bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, I apologise to everybody for picking this episode to start with. <laughs> uh, who knows? This just might be our best, mind you. For a, for an episode to be our best, we have to have some kind of monumental technical fuck up. That tends to be what what uh, leads to the best episodes, mate. Well, look who I've brought with me, Melzy. <laughs> 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 you can hear a, you can actually hear a laugh at that joke from Maravinon. <laughs> Melzi, if you could only see Ben's face while he's saying that. <laughs> Look, I'd just take any excuse to get a uh, an Instagram message from Melzi. That's all. That's all. <laughs> well, uh, Melzi is one of the gang, and speaking of the gang, they're all here to help keep us on track this week. Guillermo Troncoso runs Screen Realm. It's a website up in Sydney. He'll be dropping in soon to present the movie news from the past week. The Bonehead Weekly podcast from Kentucky will also be laying down some of their favourite Sniper and or Assassin movies. Have we actually mentioned that this week we are talking about Sniper and or Assassin movies? No, we just spent the whole... I mean, I hope people figured it out by the fact that we were just talking about Chad Michael Collins for uh, 10 minutes. <laughs> but uh, maybe, maybe people don't know who... Uh... Chad Michael Collins is. Yeah, you might know Call of Duty. He's the uh, the main character from the reboot of that, and uh, he's uh, yeah in all of these sniper movies. He's fantastic. He's in a lot of Hallmark movies too, Ben. So there's that, and uh, that's a whole other conversation to be had. Well, that's um, what I'm going to have to uh, do a bit of research uh, for our. Uh, for our uh, should we announce it now? Should we announce <laughs> that in the new year we'll be doing a Hallmark podcast? Um, well, we've spoken about it on the mic several times, and it is something I'm actively pursuing. So. We're going yeah. to have a brainstorm on that soon, my friend. We'll <laughs> Exciting it, times. We'll call it Ballmark. <laughs> <laughs> two guys just two talking Hallmark. Hallmark. <laughs> Maybe Ballsmark. <laughs> There's a. Oh, we'll talk about this off the mic. That's what, <laughs> so... when, that's, that's what happens when I come up with these puns uh, yeah, at the moment. They're not very good. I need to spend a bit of time thinking of a much better punny uh, Hallmark name if you've got any suggestions people just uh send us a yeah. private message 
jump on jump on the old Facebook or Instagram or uh, Letterboxd or wherever you find it on all social media platforms and let us know your suggested name. <laughs> ben and Ben's Hallmark Podcast. And of course, don't forget goodmoviemonday.com. You can contact us through there. That also takes you to everything else we do across the social medias. But hey, back to the gang, Jared Garn. He's also from Monster Fest, just like you are, Ben. Happens to be a purveyor of physical media. And uh, right now, um, he's going to kick the show off with some you know, some advice on what to spend and, and, and how to spend it and, and what's out. And, you know, I don't spend money on movies money, anymore. Physical product. Yeah. <laughs> that's, my, my, that's my tip. That's my tip for what Jarrett's going to advise people to uh, spend, when to spend it and what to spend it on. And now you say, over to you, Jarrett. <laughs> over to you, Jarrett. Hey, you've reached Jarrett. Unfortunately, I'm unable to take your call because I'm too busy monster festing. So I guess we'll speak at a later date or maybe I'll see you in Melbourne at Monster Fest. Hey, folks. Well, it seems like Jarrett's not picking up. So this is probably a good opportunity for me to come in and fill the hole with, uh, with, with, the, with the plug plug the hole. <laughs> uh, a reminder about Newsly, the Newsly app. It's that super app that by now you probably should have. If you're a loyal listener, you certainly will have it on your phone and have our show delivered into the palm of your hand. But not just our show, news from all around the world, from over 80 countries in fact. It's a smart app and it takes the top trendy news stories according to your selection criteria. So whatever you like, whether it's sports, drama, movies, music, games, politics, news, whatever takes the highest trending articles and puts them right into your phone and reads them back to you in a natural human voice. That's really handy when you're on the road, uh, on the go. You might be running, you might be driving, and you haven't got time to read. Newsly does it for you. So, what are you waiting for? Download the Newsly app on your phone. Uh, and if you want a free month of premium Newsly, all you got to do is use the code MONDAY. M-N-D-A-Y. That's Monday without the O. Get it now. Funny we were talking about those Hallmark movies just before, Ben, because this is a week of Hallmark goodness. And if we had our Hallmark podcast right now, oh, we'd be like, oh, I, I can't even, I can't even talk. We'd be like knee deep in it, mate. I'd like to think that Hallmark would have taken note of our podcast, <laughs> screeners well in advance, so then we could go through every single one of them on the show. Well, listen to this. Out this week, you've got the Martha's Vineyard Mysteries, you've got the Matchmaker Mysteries, you've got the Picture Perfect Mysteries, and you've got the new Morning Show Mysteries coming out. They're all excellent. Where's Where's the new Mystery 101? Well, that might be next week. I don't know. And if and we had a podcast, we would be able to inform people know. of this. And where's the Nick and the Nikki and Nora follow-up? They should just shoot those episodes back-to-back. Back. Come on, Rhiannon Fish, make it happen. See, look, man. You've got the wits. You've got the knowledge. You could do a Hallmark episode on your own. Just do it by myself. Just yelling at the screen. of Do this, Hallmark. Do this. Now. Imagine the people we could talk to. <laughs> so, anyway. Like, it'd, be like, it'd be like one step above or one step below talking to everyone who's been in an asylum film. Actually, I think it'd be a couple of steps below because usually the people in the asylum films were A-grade stars at one point in their careers. Yeah, most of the hallmark were never never quite there. Well, let's get the ball rolling. So we are talking about yeah. sniper and assassin movies, and uh, yeah. oh god, I'm dying here. It's gonna come back and bite us in the ass when we actually do the hallmark podcast. <laughs> we'll just tell them to avoid this episode. Yeah, don't listen to this episode. 
So there's a little bit of a story about how this first film came to my attention. My first recommendation, uh, it goes right back to high school. And back then I was known as I'm sure you were as that movie guy, the one that everyone sort of went to about movie stuff and a very I good form. You were going to say back then I was known as Cockring. <laughs> <laughs> that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. You're killing me. I'm not supposed to laugh. <laughs> So one of my good friends was cleaning out his garage when he found two VHS tapes in boxes. Wow. And <laughs> I know you like where this is going. That's another podcast you want to do, but we're not going to do. <laughs> and his parents were about to throw these in the bin and he rescued them and thought, oh, my mate would like those. And so at the time I had not seen either of them. One of them became the franchise that we all know I love so much. And that was Sniper, the very first movie that starred Billy Zane and Tom Berenger. Listen to your friend Billy Zane. He's a smart guy. <laughs> but the other movie was Sabotage from 1996. A fantastic... Not just the Beastie Boys song. <laughs> or the, the Hitchcock film. Hitchcock film, which is also excellent. <laughs> it's a fantastic action movie starring Mark Dacascos, Tony Todd, Carrie Ann Moss, and Graham Greene. And it's a movie that never really got a lot of attention, never really got any kind of praise. And I just think it's really good. And it does hold up because um, watching it ahead of uh, this episode, that's what shocked me the most is this is a fucking good movie. Why has this not got the recognition? Is this, sorry, is this Carrie Ann Moss post Models Inc, but pre The Matrix? I think so. She is stunning in this. So it's definitely got to be a pre Matrix. Back thing. when she still had a little bit of weight, she's a little bit curvaceous. Um, she was just, yeah, she very very appealing to me particularly at that age when i watched this but best of all this was directed by tibor takas um the guy that made gate and gate 2 lovely and what a what a kick-ass name he has yeah is it takas i can never pronounce that one right Dukakis. olivia takas <laughs> that's right tibor and olivia it's a it's a hallmark movie coming soon <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the, the gist of this one is Tony Todd, um, who I never, I've never liked Tony Todd. I've got to put it out there, but this is probably the best thing I know him from. Um, he plays a psychotic rogue assassin who plays a game of cat and mouse with an ex-Navy SEAL commando played by Mark Dukakis. Um, and, and forgive my pronunciations on this particular show because I'm just slurring everything. Um, you know, I even called you um, Bond before. <laughs> <laughs> Bond by name, Bond by <laughs> But it's a very convoluted plot, um, and the gist of it is that um, the Cascas can't take a break. The film begins, it's very funny actually, with him failing to save hostages in a shootout situation. I remember this movie, yeah. And Tony, to Tony Todd's the maniac that kills them all, and then several years later, he fails to protect more people that he's assigned to protect. So it's establishing that he's actually not a very good commando. He's not a good um, bodyguard. And then cut a few years after that he he goes on this whole personal vendetta against the maniac and and through a series of sort of complicated storylines that make sense on the screen but are very hard to to summarize uh he joins up with an fbi agent played by Ann moss and and his former commander comes into it this graham green he's very much a richard krenner from rambo type that sort of comes into the play and and it's just a very very well-made and well-constructed film that it's suffered badly from a 
a VHS cover that is just shocking. It looked like one of those movies that you would bundle in a, like a 10 pack or something like that. Um, from memory, it had no marketing behind it or anything like that. I don't even remember trailers on VHS or anything. Um, but yeah, a real shame. And, and like I said, Tony Todd is better in this than he is in most things. And there's a very cool, which I feel should be iconic image of him standing sort of in the battlefield, looking cool and shit. And they kind of put it really, really small in the background of the poster, but it should have been the poster itself. Um, anyway, like I said, also, I think Carrie Ann Moss is probably better in this and she's been in lots of other things. You know, I don't have a dislike for her, but I don't think she's particularly good. And in this she is. So it's just a showcase of talent before, you know, before they became in a few. I'm just looking at this. So this, it was, it was indeed after Models Inc. Yep. And before the Matrix, but she was also been in uh, uh, Lethal Tender and <laughs> FX, the TV series with uh, Australia's Cameron Datto. favorite son, Cameron Datto. Uh, Viper, the TV. She did a lot of TV back then. Uh, Due South, Nowhere wow. Man. Uh, a lot of TV. She's you know, she's in a couple of episodes of Baywatch and LA Law and Silk Stalkings. She, Jesus, did she do the rounds. <laughs> do you see what I mean about the the cover design on this one though? It's just not an appealing film, like by the looks of it. Oh, I remember, I remember that 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 cover quite well. I never saw the movie, but I'm not a huge fan of sniper movies. Yep. Uh, but do you know that Carrie Ann Moss was actually in a TV <laughs> called Matrix before oh, <laughs> Matrix? I think I knew that at some point in time and just forgot it. But listen to listen to this synopsis. I know this is a. I apologize for the uh, the tangent, but this synopsis is amazing. Stephen Matrix. So it's already a win because the series is named after the main character. <laughs> Stephen Matrix is one of the underworld's foremost hitmen until his luck runs out and someone puts a contract out on him. Shot in the forehead by a twenty-two caliber, <laughs> Matrix dies and then finds himself in the city in between where he's shown the faces of all the men and women he's murdered and a sea of fire. He's informed that he'll be given a, a second chance. This is great. Uh, he must, re <laughs> to earn a reprieve from hell by helping others. He then wakes up in a hospital after an apparent near-death experience. In each episode, Matrix meets a new guide from the world <laughs> beyond and he's given a new assignment much in the manner of an unwilling guardian angel. So Mate. this is basically Joan of Arcadia meets Highway to Heaven. I'm in. I was going to say, like, it, it, it's Matrix meets Constantine meets Quantum Leap. Like, it's like... It's yeah. it, so usually his guides give him little or no useful information about the job to come, and he has to figure it out. It's exactly this. It's like, a, what was it? The, uh, the Reaper. Reaper. That TV series as well. This is amazing. I need to and track this down. It Come needs on. to be adapted into a new movie. Yeah, I'm hoping Tubi has it. Oh yeah. I wonder if Tubi has sabotage because that's the other thing is um this is a a movie that uh, I don't believe has a DVD release. It was a VHS release. I did watch it from YouTube, and obviously it was free to watch there. So I think for that price, it's worth it. <laughs> Perfect price. What's happening everybody, it's Guillermo here from Screen Realm, that's ScreenRealm.com and Screen Realm on YouTube. As always I'm here to tell you about a few of the movie news stories that dropped during the past week. Kicking off with a digitally de-aged Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones 5 is finally on the way and it's coming from director James Mangold, known for Logan and Walk the Line. And it's going to be featuring a de-aged Harrison Ford. 
But don't worry, it's not going to be the entire film. In an interview with Empire, James Mangold said that the intro slash opening sequence will take place in the years between The Last Crusade and The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. In the interview, Mangold said, I wanted the chance to dive into this kind of full-on George and Steven old picture and give the audience an adrenaline blast. And then we fall out and you find yourself in 1969. So that the audience doesn't experience the change between the 40s and 60s as an intellectual conceit, but literally experiences the buccaneering spirit of those early days and then the beginning of now. Producer Kathleen Kennedy also talked to Empire about the intro saying, my hope is that although it will be talked about in terms of technology, you just watch it and go, oh my God, they just found footage. This is a thing they shot 40 years ago. We're dropping you into an adventure, something Indy is looking for and instantly you have that feeling. I'm in an Indiana Jones movie. Indiana Jones 5 is currently scheduled to be released in cinemas in June 2023. After having its planned director walk away back in September, Marvel's upcoming Blade film has finally chosen its new helmer. Now set to direct Blade, which will be starring Mahershala Ali in the title role, is Yan Demange. Hope I'm saying that right. Yan Demange's credits include 71, a 2014 film starring Jack O'Connell, which I really recommend. Not enough people have seen it. 71, White Boy Rick with Matthew McConaughey, and the HBO series Lovecraft Country. Not only does Blade have a new director, it's also got a new screenwriter. On board to write the script is Michael Starbury, whose credits include the miniseries When They See Us and the drama The Inevitable Defeat of Mr. And Pete. As of now, the MCU's first Blade movie will be hitting cinemas in September 2024. Oscar-winning actor Gary Oldman is saying that he's getting ready to retire. In an interview with Times of London, Oldman said he might be done with acting once he finishes his part in Apple TV series Slow Horses. And I quote, I've had an enviable career, but careers wane and I do have other things that interest me outside of acting. When you're young, you think you're going to get around to doing all of them. Read that book, then the years go by. I'm 65 next year, 70s around the corner. I don't want to be active when I'm 80. I'd be very happy and honored and privileged to go out as Jackson Lamb, which is his character in Slow Horses, and then hang it up. It would certainly be a shame to see Gary Oldman walk away. He's one of the best. That about does for me everyone, be sure to go to YouTube and check out the Screen Realm channel there. Yours truly has reviewed Black Panther 2, She Said and The Menu and we also just put up an interview that our writer Adam Fleet was able to score with Andrew Siemens, the writer-director of the psychological thriller Resurrection which has an amazing performance by Rebecca Hall and it also stars Tim Roth. That film's getting a digital release in Australia on November 30th so be sure to check out that interview. Thanks so much for having me once again, catch you next week.
I love that one. That's Armageddon Time by Willie Williams, and it's from the Ghost Dog Way of the Samurai soundtrack. You and I, have, we've spoken about Ghost Dog before. What what a fucking belter of a movie. What a great and film. It's got one of my favorite opening scenes ever, like that that long close-up of Forrest Whitaker just driving, and it's just got a cruisy beat playing, and it's like five minutes of nothing, and yet it sets the perfect mood for the film. That movie has a, has a bunch of great stuff in it. Like, I love that's the scene where the hitmen come to take him out but he lives on the top of a like a five story walk up and they're both fat old <laughs> italian men by the time they get up the top they're like <laughs> <laughs> so good it is fantastic um i saw that i saw it at a, a cinema in melbourne probably uh kino or something like that and then i think around the same time i saw brother you know the takashi no not oh, the takashi Mike one yeah yeah no sorry um, we get takashi katano Kitano, that's the one with Omar Epps, I think it is, or someone like that. That's, You're my brother. You are my brother. That is a, it's got, is a Victor Arga. It's, it's a very similar kind of movie. I like them yeah. both and they make a really good double feature. <clears throat> anyway, that was, I a, digress. That was a golden age of cinema when around that oh, time. There's so much good stuff, like in terms of the indie, like Padita Durango, and that's yeah. what, you know, all that stuff was coming out. I'm going to talk about that um, when we come to my second recommendation, but uh, now it's your turn. Yeah, take it away, mate. Okay. I'm going to talk about... Uh, now I've got a... <laughs> uh, I, uh, I moved away from it, uh, from the MDB <laughs> page where I could uh, spout the information about where it came from because I was so entranced by the matrix you know the one the one thing that the one thing that the uh the audience always misses out on on this show whether you're at the desk or we're doing zoom it's the um it's the it's the visual component it's the reactions that we have it's the uh the moments of distress it's the the moments what am i I doing what am i doing and what what i what i find most amusing is that you have like one of the best laughs in the business, mate. But the problem is it's a quiet laugh sometimes. Yeah. And so you might be absolutely killing yourself with laughter and yet nobody knows. There's except no for me. No. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It's a, no. Maybe we need to take a leaf out of the boneheads and just fucking do it live I need and to, uh, to video. I need to do like my, my friend Larry has a great laugh that uh, often when he laughs in a movie, other people start laughing at the laugh because it's yeah, so I love that, <laughs> and it's always at the inappropriate moments in movies, which are the best. Um, I'm going to talk about a fantastic movie put on to me years ago. Years ago, uh, Dave Law from the Melbourne Horror, Horror Film Society talked to me about Cohen and Tate. He had it on VHS. He's like, "Have you seen Cohen and Tate? This movie is fucking excellent." And I was like, "Yeah, look, I've heard of the. T- I've seen the tape around." I'll check it out one day. And then 
just never got around to because I don't have the tape. Uh, but I picked it up on Blu-ray during uh, uh, must have been an Arrow sale because they put it out overseas. And let me tell you, friends, Dave Law is a hundred percent on the fucking money. <laughs> Owen and Tate is excellent. It stars Roy Schneider and uh, Adam Baldwin, the non-Baldwin brother Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, uh, as kind of mismatched mafia hitmen. And they've been put on this job. Kevin, like uh, Roy Schneider is playing like 20 years older than he, he actually is. And he's got like a hearing aid and glasses and, you know, all sorts of fun stuff. And Adam Baldwin is kind of the young, psychotic, loose cannon hitman. And they're sent to kill a family who are kind of being hidden away by witness protection on this farm kind of house in the middle of nowhere. And uh, they blow away, they blow away the two parents and the, the FBI or the, the whoever does the marshal service, whoever's looking after them, thanks to a, a rat uh, in one of the guards because he pisses off early. And the, that's the kind of part that makes no sense is that this guard knows it's coming. And so he takes the car and leaves early, like an hour before before Cohen and Tate show up. And the the family and the remaining guards do nothing. They just stay there like, oh, that's, that's probably bad. but they, And they just stay there at the house. So Conan take come in and they brutally, and I mean brutally, blow away the family. Uh, luckily, the kid survives because he's taken off after the the family dog who just before they arrive has run outside. But then for some reason that's never explained in the film, they catch the kid and uh, they plan to take him. I think it, it, I'm not exactly sure where they are, but they're kind of, they're driving across a few American states, uh, including going through Texas. And he's got like a real, the kid has a really kind of strong Southern accent, but they, I don't know if they actually tell you where they start from. But so they're basically, they're on the road, taking this kid to the mafia boss. Who, and you never find out, you never find out why they're being protected. You never find out what the mafia boss want. You never find out who the mafia boss actually is because they're on the road. But of course, Cohen, Mr. Cohen and Mr. Tate do not get along. <laughs> uh, Roy Schneider is like a super professional kind of guy who's always done hits on his own, but but he also kind of knows, and he and he basically verbalizes this that you know if, there's no retirement plan in the hitman uh, fraternity. There's just one day you get like an uncomfortable uh, tap on the back of your head and lights <laughs> out, and uh, all of a sudden they've paired him up with uh, Adam Baldwin, and the kind of the kid who's like eight years old, he figures out that, you know, his life depends on causing trouble between these two. Like he actually, at one point he escapes and in spectacular and uh, brutal fashion, they recapture him. And uh, so he figures out that really the only way to get out of this is by playing them off against each other. And there is, there's some fantastic uh, bits between the three the three actors and that's pretty much the majority of the film is the three actors in a car talking shit to each other and getting oh. on each other's nerves it's great it's oh, really so good it's directed by eric red who uh also did um uh body parts and bad moon if if uh those titles into you but yeah look as i said it's on blu-ray from arrow which means it plays it's the uk release so it plays on our blu-ray players just fine it's probably on a streaming service i just couldn't tell you which one 
Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size, and this week we're going to take a shot at doing Sniper Assassin film. Are we going to do it in the dark? A shot, shot in the dark. dark? Or, that's actually my favorite Pink Panther Pink Panther. Film. I knew I knew Pink Panther would come up. That's just my favorite. Who wants to go first, gentlemen? You know what? I'm going to go with one that it is, I love the movie. Yeah, you if they would pick first later. If they he went was never picked in elementary school first, why don't don't give him hope now? Um, if they would have cut the romance plot, it would have been even better. Enemy at the gates. Oh, sh- I know. Well, Enemy no, at the gates a good one. is, is a really. It's wait, a, is it? Is this the one? Is this the one where Judge Law has sex with Jude? a woman? Like Jude. 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 Hey, I'm not on a good. I'm not on a good roll tonight in saying names properly. But is this the one where he like well, has he sex with? Oh, who is? Early. He has sex with a woman like right in the middle of a bunch of other soldiers. Uh, Listen, Chad. It was wartime. Things had to be done. No, uh, but the the sharpshooter scenes in it, the sniper type scenes in it, and the the parallel between these two figures is, are is really a compelling thing. To be honest, I haven't watched it too recently, but it when when the uh, sniper assassin movies came up, I'm like, mm, the shooting scenes in that is really it, it can be really interesting. I honestly, it's just one of the ones where I'm like, I didn't need the romance subplot uh, or plot. Some people say it's the main plot. I beg to differ. Shoot, shoot, bang, bang. I'm going to go for one of my favorite assassin films, if not one of, and, you know, it almost, for a while there, it was one of my favorite films, period. Gross, point blank. Directed by George Armitage. Um, you know him from such great movies as I Lost My Page. No, pri- private. Where am versus, I? <laughs> uh, Hot Rod, Miami Blues, uh, The Big Bounce. This one, This may be his only really good film, but no, it's about a, it's about an assassin suddenly decides he's going to his high school reunion. He actually disappeared like before graduate, he he graduated and then just promptly disappeared off the face of the planet from the entire, the, to join a, the CIA. And it's all about him going back and not only dealing with the, the anxiety of being at a, at a hometown and catching up with friends, but also a, a maybe Dan Aykroyd's last great performance guys. I don't, I, I can't, I need to look at his list, but I think, after gross point blank his career like his acting jobs just kind of didn't ever meet that peak but Um, there's something else i just can't think of what it is yeah i'll look it up while you're talking but um but yeah uh dan ack uh but dan Aykroyd playing a psychotic lunatic who's trying to form a union of assassins it is i you cannot just talk i could talk about this all day i'm not going to because i have literally a minute and a half gross point blank's my pick joe go American, uh, I almost said American Sniper, Jarhead, 2005's Jarhead, directed by Sam Mendes, uh, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Jamie Foxx. And what I like about it is there's not a lot of killing in it. And what I mean by that is, if you've never seen Jarheads, based on a famous book as well, is this takes place of these Marines and then trying to be snipers right during the first Gulf War. And I don't know if any of you all remember the first Gulf War, but to call it uneventful in the in the big zeitgeist of whatever of wars it wasn't right it just happened quickly and we were there and uh, and these men dealing with the fact that they're not even allowed to do the thing that they spent these years to do which is murder people from a distance it's fascinating and i i just really like the movie and it's it's got a fantastic performance from jamie fox and if you guys remember shh, pickles if you remember the trailer it's a I love the core. Hoorah. And I can't do it quite the way he does it, but he does it so eloquently. 
I, Jarhead is a movie that we don't talk about enough that uh, Sam Mendez has made some fantastic movies and that's one of them. Uh, Joe, you can cut me out if this goes too long, but I do want to mention Gross Point Blake. Yes, it was Dan Aykroyd's last great performance if you look at his IMDb page. Christmas on the Cranks, bud. Oh, screw you. Okay. Uh, but the one thing I didn't mention is uh, the fight in the hallway with the other assassin um, where he stabs him in the neck with a pin is actually, uh, his name is Benny Urquidez. I meant to mention this before. You should look up this guy's movie history. He has some great, uh, he is batshit crazy and it's great. There's some great stories of him and being in Jackie Chan movies. And there's one great fight scene between him and Jackie Chan where they actually hit each other constantly and almost knocked each other out great story so sorry and i'll be editing this editing to editing i'll be doing that later this has been bonehead weekly fun side uh there you go thank you boneheads uh, joe lewis chad jennings james thomas three mates from kentucky who love movies and host a podcast and don't we know all about that <laughs> we're grateful to have them as part of our show <laughs> you can listen to the bonehead weekly everywhere you get podcasts from and uh yeah, I just recommend watching them on YouTube. That's the way to do it. So, Ben, here we go. Interview time. This is a fun one because uh, this is an interview that at the time this uh, is being recorded, I haven't actually, I haven't well, actually done. The, the rare times. I thought these interviews were live, Glenn. I thought you just called them up on the phone on the show. Well, I am hoping by the time that uh, I actually do record this interview, my voice is back properly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, that does... That does uh, fuck up the flow of the show, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, a little bit. A little bit. So, yes, uh, I do love the the Sniper franchise. I make uh, I make no bones about that. Like, I talk about it all the time. I'm a big fan. And, and I did joke when you first, when you said that you're going to be interviewing him and you said, do you want to get in on this one? And I said, no, that's okay. You love him. You, uh, <laughs> you do it. Because I just... I do, and I love the sh- I love the series. I- I'm astonished that they've gotten all the way to part nine, and they're still banging out something of substance. You know, like it is not diminishing in any way, shape, or form, and they're getting a little bit more interesting. Um, so when the eighth movie came out, which was called Assassin's End, we had Chad on the show, um, and the two of us kind of became mates a little bit. And he pops up in chat every now and then, and I was trying to pick his brain about part nine um when it was just finishing up production because there were rumors going around that it's coming and he was under an nda you know that he couldn't talk about it but it was frustrating him and lo and behold he came back to me and he goes yes it's out now let's talk about it and the exciting news is there's no nda regarding number 10 which is the one he's making right now right so we, you know, I, whether it's on the show or not i'll have him back in some way shape or form to talk about that <laughs> before uh before uh, you play the interview, Glenn, it's time yeah. for my famous patented pop quiz <laughs> uh, segment. I love this. That, that I do on every show. Can you tell me <laughs> all of the sniper films, the subtitles of all of the sniper films? Far out. Okay. So, Sniper 1, 2, and 3, that's easy. Yes. It's the next one. Is it Legacy? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it is Legacy. Uh, because that, you got like... Yeah, go on. That was in 2014. And there is one uh, in uh, 2011. 
That is. Before. Oh no! Reloaded. 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 Yeah. Are you looking? Yeah. Are you looking this up? No, I'm not. Um. Oh. So reloaded. Okay, so reloaded legacy. Was there ghost shooter? That's next. Yes, sir. Uh fucking hell, nut. Because you had Assassin's End was the last one. This one is Rogue Mission. Ah, uh, what am I missing? There's one. There's one. There's one missing. There's one missing. Oh, curse you, motherfucker. It's directed by Claudio Farr. Yeah, nah. By Chris Howty, who also wrote uh, Ghost Shooter. Yeah, nah, this one eludes me. What is it? It is Ultimate Kill. Ultimate Kill, of course it is. These are great movies, dude. (laughs) Thank you for playing playing, uh, Ben's uh, patented trademark. Regular segment on this show, pop quiz. I hope you, I hope you pull that on me more often. That was fun. <laughs> it's only when you talk about franchises more than four films long. All right. Come on, so, Tremors. Just to lay some quick context, this particular installment is about a human sex traffic operation, particularly a webcam factory where women are sort of held captive and forced to perform. Um, it's a really, really great throwback type of movie to the uh, the action of the eighties. It's certainly a a bit of a jaw dropper. It starts with a an incredible massacre that you just wouldn't see on screen anymore in our sort of new world of social norms and whatnot. But on um, this movie, dares to it's um it's fantastic. So here it is, me sounding hopefully healthier, chatting with Chad, and I'll see you on the other side. Alrighty, Chad, welcome back to Good Movie Monday. How are you, mate? A pleasure, and greetings to you uh, down under, my friend. (laughs) So you and I have been chatting on and off, I guess, for a couple of years now, and I would just like to begin by reassuring Sony that no matter how much I picked your brain after receiving news of uh, part nine being made, you gave me nothing. You didn't let up. NDA lifestyle, my friend. (laughs) You know, it's not easy. It's not fun. You know, you get excited about these projects, whether it's a sniper film, a Call of Duty, whatever else. You want to just go blab it to the world. Yeah. Um, I don't even tell my mom, Glenn, so don't take any offense. If anyone's going to take offense, it's going to be my own mother. But she's cool and she gets it. So, you know, I uh, pride myself on being a little tight-lipped, you know. No, it's a surprise that much sweeter. It's a great thing, mate. It's a great thing. And it's funny because we work in the media down here. So we get the press releases and we got that one. I was like, fucking hell, come on, dude. Give me a little bit. (laughs) But but Rogue Mission, mate, this this goes into some very, very dark territory. I think even the opening scene alone is shocking. Um, And it's a real old school style of action. Was there a concerted effort to make this one buck the trend or just go that dark? Yeah, I think there was an overall vision. You know, our um, our, our our contact at Sony, who who helps us out and greenlights these movies, Daniel. Um, you know, he just had a different vision. You know, he said, "Let's let's mix it up and let's try to do a trilogy where we, you know, sort of uh, put a different energy and feel." And he brought on Oliver Thompson. Oliver wrote and directed the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this I guess this current one, Sniper Rogue Mission. He wrote and produced uh, Assassin's Ed, but he started to take us off in a new direction. You know, we've kind of established more of a, a team dynamic and, and honestly just focusing on different issues, right? Before it was corrupt soldiers, soldiers gone bad, you know, you know, government conspiracy type things and whatever else. And, you know, we, we launched the snipers around the world 
to go and um, you know soldier on soldier stuff, take out the bad guys. Uh, so this one is dealing with um, you know definitely some other issues, global issues, uh, but we tackle it in a completely different <laughs> way. And that um, I think that was a conscious move to take things in that direction and, and try it on for size. For sure. And this is the first installment without either Behringer or Zane. Uh, and it amazingly doesn't suffer at all without them. Uh, was there, was everyone confident going into this without those names involved? Yeah. You know, I mean, look, I'm, I'm literally a gun for hire. So you know, <laughs> when I get the script, when I have those first conversations, they're not telling me in advance, I'm not a part of their planning, you know, so I'm just happy to still be included. Um, so, you know, it's a surprise and it's certainly a departure. You know, for yeah. longtime sniper fans, they're always used to one or the other, you know, sometimes both when we're lucky to get them both. But uh, they wanted to take it a different direction and, and see what they could do with that. Um, you know, I, I think we pulled it off. I think we we um, obviously got uh, Dennis Haysbert in there, who's been with us before, who's a powerhouse and, and such a fantastic actor. And so, we, you know, we do miss Tom and Billy because, you know, I love those guys. <laughs> fantastic, classic legend actors in their own right. But um you know, I think that was part of their vision is to, you know, let's see if we can't, you know, throw the life raft out there and, and, and see if we can survive, you know, without those heavy hitters on the franchise. Yeah. So, but, you know, well, it's, it's, it's film, but never say never. You know, you <laughs> well, know. But I mean, long serving fans like myself should be rest assured that this just works without them and doesn't need them. Um, I guess their presence is felt anyway because of is a sniper franchise. But you do have the return of you know, Lady Death, which is um, Sakara. Animoto, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Sayaka <laughs> um, Akimoto, yeah. There we go. And Zero, which is um, Ryan Robbins. And you know, not to mention Dennis Hayes, but as you said, I think this new form of ensemble that you've got for the last two films and, and going forward kind of substitutes the lack of those two previous guys. Like, it is a really formidable team that you've got going here. Do you have a great rapport in general? Yeah, and you know, that's something that um, I think they really wanted to push for. It's like, what if we had a team dynamic? You know, because so many of my co-stars over the years, you know, they're, they're one-offs in each of the movies. You know, what if we had, you know, a team that really sticks together, works as a unit and, and does a diff different kind of missions. And I think that, that was all part of, you know, but their design. Um, and and I, I really feel like it helped a lot. You know, Sniper Rogue Mission, you see, you know, Brandon and Zero are, are buddies, you know? Yeah. They, you know, they have beers after work. And yeah. They both made it out alive, which is also crucial to having a friendship <clears> ongoing. <throat> uh, so I, I really think it lends to uh, some of the comedic elements, some of the the banter, some of the buddy cop stuff that uh, Oliver is so so good at, so good at writing, so good at executing it. So I thought it was just uh, it was a pleasure to do, yeah. and you couldn't ask for better, more talented co-stars than Ryan Sayaka and Dennis to be able to play with that. And of course, we introduced Josh Brenner, uh, who is a <laughs> incredible you know comedic background who's just you know brought it as in intelligence pete so that had a really fun wrinkle uh, as well it really um took me by surprise how funny you guys were able to make this given how sinister and dark the material is and that's that's where i feel like it's a throwback movie because that's what they used to do in the 80s and the 70s and, and that's what i took from it you know and i and i think that that's that's in a weird way, it's 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 expected, you know. You've got so, lifelong soldiers who are used to risking their life every time they accept and step into a mission. Yeah, you know the, the gallows humor, the, the Butch and Sundance stuff, like that just kind of comes with the territory. How else are you going to compartmentalize and deal with that? And show up for your job the next day, unless you can have some brevity. And I think that that um, you know there is a juxtaposition there where it's like, well, the subject matter is a bit dark. The issue is is really tragic. 
But at the same time, you know, you're in it and you can only focus on what you can control and try to stay alive and, and complete the mission and do the best you can. So I think that lends itself to, you know, that that uh, gallows humor that you got to have or else you, you, you'll, you'll go insane, you know? Totally. Um, and, and Brandon, your character sports a different look in nearly every film. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, is, um, is that a case of the producers sort of going along with whatever hairstyle you've got going at the moment? Or is it something in the script where Brandon does appear a bit different? I think that that, uh, you know, there is a, an idea that Oliver has in his head. You know, when Oliver's done movies like Welcome to Happiness, you know, Nick, Nick Offerman yeah. types, Josh Brenner types and stuff like that. So I think there is a, a really fun, quirky, idiosyncratic quality that, you know, he has in his mind. And then a lot of that comes out in the outfits. So it's like you got Zero wearing, you know, flannels and New Balance. And it's just like, well, that's not what you expect from a hardcore. It's a departure from the black, all black, you know, kind of turtleneck kind of look thing. Yeah. So I love how he mixes it up. And I, I, I like how there's a almost like a planes clothes element to this, to these elite <laughs> soldiers, because, you know, I mean, look, if you're off the books and you are truly going rogue, it's, you know, you, you, you probably want to blend it a little bit instead of uh, strapping up <laughs> and strap it in with your cargo pants and your <laughs> military garb. So, but I think it speaks to Oliver's sensibilities. And I, I liked it personally. I got to run around in a Pendleton jacket and Pendleton vest. And that's one of my favorite brands in real life. So it was yeah. really, uh, it was really fun <laughs> and very cool to be able to do. Awesome. The last time that you were on the show, you were here to chat about Assassin's End. And when I asked you if there was, you know, another chapter on the way, you did, you gave me the same line. You said, oh, it's above my pay grade. I have no idea. And now, <laughs> and now here we are talking about it. Um, but in, in this instance, there is another installment on the way, a part 10. Can you give us anything on that? Uh, yeah. Um, they made it very clear that like, hey, not only do we want to put it out there that we're making another one, but we're making another one right away. And yeah. I literally just got back from filming it. So I can't give away too many details, but, um, and I don't know how much I want to spoil here on the interview, That's but if okay. you watch the um, <clears throat> post-credit scene in Sniper Rogue Mission, it kind of uh, hints that um, you're going to see the team back together again, possibly in a bigger, better way. So um, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of what Sniper 10 is about as a continuation of uh, the old Brit gang, so to speak, and what we do. So that's, it's, it's going to be more revealed you know yeah. what we're up to how we do things where we operate from and uh and what our next mission is that's very exciting and did i hear you correctly before you said it's a new trilogy does that uh, mean not a new trilogy but i think that um i think the vision was and i can't speak for them uh sure. themselves but the, the big i think trilogy for, for sony and for oliver thompson and his involvement in this was to really create kind of a set of three movies within the franchise itself and take it yeah. in a new direction. And, you know, technically I think Sniper 10 would be the completion of that trilogy, you know, whether that gets extended and uh, goes on <laughs> in that vein and that direction remains to be seen. But, you know, like I said, above my pay grade, it's one movie at a time for me. And I'm always just thrilled to be able to hop back in the saddle behind scope as Brandon. Okay, just to frustrate you a little bit, just uh, another above your pay grade question. Uh, you're welcome to deflect this one if you'd like. <laughs> so in today's day and age of like, you know, TV, streaming, you know, and event television series and uh, t uh, movie to TV adaptations, do you see this franchise getting that treatment? I kind of, I've, I'm surprised that Sony haven't pushed it in that direction so far. You know, I think that um, it makes sense, right? It makes sense on paper. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's so much more complicated when you get at that 
big corporate, you know, studio level. Yeah. Um, on, on one hand, you know, we keep making them and they keep doing well. Yeah. So why, why reinvent the wheel? And, and there's nothing broken that needs to be fixed. So on the other hand, yeah. it's like, well, maybe you have stars in your eyes and you want to reinvent this in a brand new way. So I don't know if those conversations have had happen. It's really easy for me and other people to be like, why don't they turn this into a series? Cause you know, we're selfish. We're like, well, instead of a one-off movie, we'd love to have 12 episodes a year. You know? <laughs> so, there's a lot well, of self-interest in that perspective. I'm a traditionalist and I'm happy that it hasn't gone in that direction yet. doesn't mean I wouldn't watch it if it did, but I, I like these films. I like the fact that they are movies and you can put them in your collection or, you know, what, however you watch them. And um, yeah, these tickle my fancy, mate. And it's always a fantastic moment to, to have a chat with you about them. I feel very lucky to do so. Um, and I won't hold you up for much more time, but much appreciated. And I, um, I can't wait to see the next one. And hopefully we can chat again about that. Yeah, and just to be clear, Glenn, I know, because I never know when these movies appear internationally. Yeah. And I I believe that it it is out or it is coming out in Australia soon. It is already out. It is already out. out. Okay. So it is somewhat recently out. Yes. uh, Because it's hard to keep track, you know. The internet surprises (laughs) me, you know. December 1st, uh, Sniper Rogue Mission is coming to Netflix US, which is a brand new deal for us. Um, and I never know until I, you know, somebody flags it for me or I, or I see it on the <laughs> internet somewhere else. So it's hard to keep up, but I'm glad that they're really, you know, rolling these out kind of same simultaneously across all territories in the U.S. So hopefully Australian Absolutely. audiences are, are digging it and uh, we should have a next one out for you by next summer. Mate, I've been talking about this one for months now, so I'll be talking about the next one too. <laughs> we have, we've been chatting. <laughs> all right, take it easy, mate. Thank you so much. Oh, always appreciate you, Glenn. Thank you. So there we go, Ben. How do you think I sounded? <laughs> smooth, Glenn. You sounded smooth. Oh, thanks, mate. Ah, I wonder what we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> life. All right. Stuff of life. <laughs> All right. Time, it's time for me to talk about my second recommendation. Um, very similar. This one takes me right back to those teenage years. Very informative time in my life. This one in particular, it... Um, it was when I was neck deep in my whole Quentin Tarantino obsession. This is a movie that he did not direct or write or anything like that, but rather um, it was made by the other guy who was making similar movies and a similar mark on Hollywood. I'm talking about Desperado, 1995, the Robert Rodriguez movie starring Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek. And of course, Tarantino... And Selma Hayek's boobies. <laughs> And of course, Tarantino. One of the most paused scenes on the VHS tape. Tarantino does have a role in this one, very small one, as does Steve Buscemi, Denny Trejo, uh, Cheech Marin, and a a few others. Uh, It's the second installment in um, Robert Rodriguez's Mexican trilogy. So that began with El Mariachi and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. And while I do think that El Mariachi is probably one of those really good examples of like the best debut features of all time. Uh, I just think that Desperado is perfection. Like I feel, I feel like it's kind of like what Evil Dead Two is to Evil Dead One. You know, it took yeah. a great movie, made it something else, and in many ways more cultish. Well, they almost—it's almost like they remade it. Like Rodriguez yeah. kind of remade the first one with a better budget. Well, they—that's the interesting thing because you know, as far as narrative goes, it doesn't really continue the story. Although, an interesting thing is that he did refilm the finale from El Mariachi with Antonio Banderas replacing the original actor so that he could use flashbacks. 
Because the original actor's in it as well, if I remember. He is, but he's, he he's obviously not at the end playing a, another mariachi. Yes, but he's not the same character. But this one, um, the mariachi is a nomadic musician who sort of um sort of walks around from bar to bar, if you will, and he's sort of seeking revenge for the death of the death of his wife. Um, he almost himself becomes a folklore. Um, you know, the, the stories about him are told, and that's how the movie opens. It's in a bar about the story of the mariachi being told. That's right. Which is a is telling, uh, yeah, telling the story. And such a great scene, and that in in my head takes me back to my teenage years when I was obsessed with Quentin Tarantino. So everything he had his hands in, which was you know he was in those scenes at the start, I was all over, and I just I felt like this was a like a Mexican slash Spanish tarantino movie you know because at that point in time i didn't really comprehend who robert rodriguez was or what he would become um but that yeah like i said fascination ended with uh sukiyaki western django right oh mate yeah that was a disappointment that one but that was like but that was made by a master as well like that's takashi yeah. mika and it's such that's such a bizarre bizarre movie that one i feel like i have to i watched it at myth i feel like i should probably watch it again and just just to, re- just to reappraise it. It is, yeah. I've I've tried many times. I'm always sucked in by like the DVD design. The, the artwork on that was always appealing to me, and I wanted to love this movie a lot. And I would rather watch what was the one, the Man with Two Fists or whatever it's called, the Iron Fists. Yeah, with Russell Crowe. Yeah, that's that. I mean, that is you know a decent film. It's it's what Western Sukiyaki Django should have been. Should have been, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Desperado. What what do I? What do I want to say about this? The thing that stands out the most for me, though, is that that fantastic opening sequence, which is, um, it's an El Mariachi number. Antonio Banderas is playing a guitar, standing on a bar. It's very well choreographed. It's like a music video. It's got the credits playing and he's playing alongside Los Lobos, you know, the, the, the Mexican band. And it's just the best. It sets such a really good tone and, it's a movie unlike any other at the time. I, you know, other than El Mariachi, which was a Mexican film, this is the American version. And I just, can you think of anything that was like it? Like, I, I can't. No, I remember being pretty mind blowing when it first came out. And it's violent as fuck. Um, and I mentioned it's part of the trilogy because the third one was Once Upon a Time in Mexico with Johnny Depp joining the cast and Antonio Banderas reprising his role. Um, but yeah, just. I recently spoke on this show to Richard Hughes, who made the enforce with Antonio Banderas. And he was telling stories about how Antonio was, you know, he, he always recalls Desperado and how they made it on the smell of an oily rag. And yet it looks like a multi-million dollar blockbuster. Yeah. And, they, and then he told stories of how all the stunt people were re- recycled. Half of the women in the background were the stunt men with wigs and they just <laughs> shift them around. So they look different. And it's just, it's a, it's a movie of like, and, and Robert Rodriguez is famous for, you know, teaching you how to make movies with. with I was going to say, did you grow up reading that uh, Rebel Without a Crew book? That he I, yes. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff he's done. Like, cause he was always, he, he always went sort of, he dove deep into special features on his movies and he hmm. would give you lessons in how to make movies. Yeah, He'd give you like lessons on how to cook food. Yeah. He always cooked food, food on his TV. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he did that great, like that great documentary about him, Full Tilt Boogie, all about how From Dust to Dawn was made. And, yeah. and that, again, very same, you know, same era. That came maybe that was the next movie he did after Desperado. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're correct there, I think. Because that was a co-pro, that was a co-pro with Tarantino. 
Yeah, that's right. Tarantino wrote it. Um, and then from that, I think he went on and did maybe Faculty or something like that. And and that's when he really got... I think he, he's such a an audacious filmmaker because then he went and and split his time between things like Spy Kids and yeah. and Machete, which, you know, comes from Desperado and Spy Kids. Like, that's a character that's in, like, a, a family-friendly franchise and then a completely R-rated franchise. Like, and... Yeah, I just love the way that this guy Robert Rodriguez bounces between mediums, and then he does Sin City, and then he does. Fucking... It's amazing that he basically has a Rodriguez verse, but no yes. one really has mentioned it. No well, one coined the phrase about what it is. Well, that's exactly right. I did write about it a few months ago on um on a particular website, which um I won't name, but you can possibly look for it and. Yeah, he has this universe that nobody really explores in any depth. I think Danny Trejo has been on the record. He likes to keep it ambiguous as to whether it's the same machete or if it's not, because they are characteristically a little bit different. But um, anyway, whatever. We're going down a whole other rabbit hole there. Maybe that's a whole episode. But Desperado, anyway, that's my second recommendation. I just love it to death. And anyone that hasn't seen it should. And if it's been a long time, then go back for more. Revisit. Do the whole trilogy. It's fun. Over to you. All right. Well, I before before we started recording, I told you that I had completely forgotten what my second film was going to be, and I had to go back. And I remember, I remember now, like I was looking at doing a couple of those. You remember the Merry Gentleman with uh, uh, Michael Keaton, and uh, I can't remember uh, the girl from Train Spotting, uh, Kelly McDonald. Kelly McDonald. Yeah, she's yeah. Michael Keaton, Kelly McDonald. And then there was there's that great movie that Criterion has released from the I think it's from the fifties or sixties called Blast of Silence, which was originally supposed to star Peter Falk, but then he got uh he got something on Broadway and didn't do it, which is a great which is a super weird hitman movie, but they're both hitmen coming home for Christmas and kind of, you know, getting caught up, you know, with the the kind of the, the Christmas feeling. But Blast of Silence is super weird because it, it's um it's narrated in the third person, but it's it's so like the it's and it's I think it's not Dalton Trumbo it's one of those guys he was a blacklisted actor, and he does the voiceover but he's like you stupid bastard what are you thinking why did you go back to her place you never should have done it ah but I know you couldn't help yourself you love her or whatever like it's, the whole the narration is so weird it's such an interesting film. And I completely forgot, but then I remembered, luckily, that uh, just a couple of weeks prior, I had finally got around to watching uh, Joe Carnahan's Cop Shop on uh, Netflix. I put off watching this when it came out, <laughs> even though I'm a big Gerard Butler fan. I was like, I don't know about this. This looks a bit shit. Two people in a you know prison cell. And at the time, I think at the time it came out, which is 2021, Yep. That's, I, 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 can't, I find it hard to believe that I, don't, I didn't know who Frank Grillo was because I'm now <laughs> like the world's biggest Frank Grillo fan. But he's almost unrecognizable in this film. But basically, Grillo, so Grillo plays like a mob fixer uh, who uh, rats on the mob and tries to, tries to kind of go into witness protection. It, uh, and it doesn't work when. Um, uh, he's supposed to meet with the FBI agents, but it's a setup, and the and everyone's corrupt, and and uh, 
kind of you know onto it so he escapes and then pretends to be a drunk and gets himself arrested by the cops so they lock him up in a prison as a in as a john doe yep um unfortunately what he doesn't know is that a price has been put on his head and in like a kind of you know uh uh bullet train type scenario all these hitmen come out of the woodwork trying to track him down to collect that bounty <laughs> the first being gerard butler uh but there's also like and they are both and so gerard butler i think actually maybe gerard butler's the drunk who uh sideswipes the cops in order to get taken into prison and so he can kind of get his hands on frank grillo um but there's a great uh there's a, a couple of great sequences but um i'm trying to think of the guy's uh the guy's name who uh like he like one of the hitmen is like a little weedy kind of guy he looks he looks like that nerd monk from uh sister act two <laughs> he's about like he's a real kind of you know and he wears a track suit and he's balding and he's like super thin and weedy and you know and he is great and he comes into the station and he literally wipes out all the cops and <laughs> except for uh, except for this rookie cop uh, who who is played by uh by Alexis Lauder who I'm not sure um if she had done much prior to this this might might have been her if not her first film very early in the um uh, in the period, like she was in, like okay, so she's in Black Panther, but she was Nigerian woman number two, uh, <laughs> which I, I wonder because is is in Black Panther is he ever in Nigeria? As far as I can remember, he's always just in Wakanda. Yeah. So wouldn't like be Wakandan woman too? <laughs> uh, but, uh, but that's but you haven't um you haven't mentioned um John Oxick or Gil Tucker. When did they come into it? I don't know who those people are you're talking about. <laughs> the, two, the two guys from the Aussie series Cop Shop back in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was, geez, no, I that would, have, that would have been a great joke if you are, if you, if you knew their names. If, but yeah, it would have been a great bit. Sorry, I ruined you'd, it for you'd you. know their faces, that's for sure. But sorry, I digress. You say Cop Shop, that's all I think of. That's all, yeah. And I, I, I honestly regret putting it off for so long. Although Frank Grillo does have like long hair which i find very annoying it's constantly in his face it's constantly like swirling his head around and wiping it out of his face and he's all sweaty but he's playing he's playing it completely kind of against type like he is not a until until a, a kind of like the climax but he's not like a kick-ass martial artist or anything like that he literally is just like a like he's a guy that um introduces you know gangsters to uh people in power and gets deals happening so of course he knows all of their secrets but toby huss toby huss is the name of the guy who plays the kind of weedy hitman yep yep uh and uh ryan onan is in it and ryan onan uh has gotten fat <laughs> in this uh in this there's, there's a great scene where um where toby huss comes when he first comes into the police station he's dressed as a green like he's got like a, a bunch of balloons mm -hmm. that he's like he's delivering and the the fat cop who's behind the counter is like oh my god you should check this out you look exactly like the guy on this uh bulletin this uh you know thing as an associate of the guys we got in the cell like 
you look exactly like him. Like, you got to come around and see this. And he's like, really? <laughs> he goes, yeah, come around. So he comes around and sees himself on the screen and then shoots him in the head. And he doesn't die. The fat guy's like, uh, uh, and he kind of gets up and just stumbles around the office while Toby Hutt's kind of following him. Oh, what are you doing now? Oh, what's happening? Oh, I'd like to be inside your head right now. And he's just <laughs> kind of like on autopilot. It's like a, that, you know, that scene in the first episode of uh, Deadwood where, uh, um, what's his name? Um, fuck, who's the the guy from Charles who does the voice of Jackie in Charles Play? Oh, yeah, Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif, who's the doctor. He, he gets that guy who's been shot in the head and he sticks the, <laughs> the thing all the way through and he's like, what is going on? Like, why is this guy not dead? <laughs> it is amazing. It, it's so much fun. Such a great kind of movie and the action is, yeah. is supreme. So highly recommended. I take that recommendation because I love Gerard Butler, uh, particularly I think as he's getting older, I'm liking him a lot more. Like I'm really, yeah. I'm interested in the choices he makes. And I think the movies, he, he, he's giving less of a fuck when he chooses movies. And I like that. And I loved um, Joe Cunahan as well. Like he's, he's, you know, a, a filmmaker that makes great films and got praise for a lot of um, his early career, but sort of drifted off and doesn't really get the recognition he probably deserves anymore. Yeah, awesome. I'm gonna add that to my list. I think he just just prior to this, he'd worked with Grillo, with Grillo on um, Boss Level, which I also uh, kind of enjoyed. That's right. That's right. Cool. All right. Thank you, sir. That pretty much is it for another show. So thank goodness for that. I'm worn out. I am plum tuckered, mate. <laughs> Can't wait um, to see you on this week. Hopefully, it's better by the time we do we record this week's videos. Oh, well, thank you to everybody for listening. It has been a rough couple of weeks with sickness as well as monster fest commitments. Um, but it's great to have, uh, it's great to have you on board for it. We do appreciate your support. Uh, if, um, Ben, you're away next week, um, you know, not even on the show at all. More monster fest, but I, you know, maybe, maybe just maybe I'll make a special appearance. Oh, our very first phone in. Oh, okay. Let's do that. <laughs> That'd be good. Uh, Melzy is going to be taking your place and co-hosting the entire show with me. It's going to get loud. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, man. Just remember yeah. to turn on mic on this time, mate. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you just fit in a sledge of me there because I didn't want that message. <laughs> I didn't want that message coming from Elsie saying, "Why is Ben giving me such a hard time right now?" <laughs> so you give me a hard time. I take that on board, absorb it, and uh, fair enough. Because fuck, I can't believe I didn't have a microphone on for that last time she was on. Such a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> I feel guilty, damn it. It's good. We're all pissed on fireball. But next week, her and I will be talking all about Christmas horror movies. And what's more fun than that? Um, Melzi and I actually formally met thanks to a Christmas horror movie. So we'll talk all about that. Anyway, huge thank you to everybody this week. Actually, let's begin with Chad Michael Collins. It was fantastic to chat with him, although. Uh, I haven't quite done it yet, so I assume it was good. <laughs> Imagine it cancelled. Imagine. <laughs> well, I'll I'll make it work. Um, <laughs> I'll pretend to be him. <laughs> Talk to myself. Thank you to Jarrett, Yemo, Joe, Chad, and James from the Bonehead Weekly. Um, I always do a regular shout out to Chloe because she hosts the Wednesday Up Late videos with me. 10.30 every Wednesday night on YouTube and Facebook. Um, I'm going to sign off with the song I was talking about, Ben, from Desperado. Antonio Banderas singing this on top of a bar with his hair slicked back and a ponytail, looking sharp as shit. 
It is uh, El Mariachi by Los Lobos and Antonio Banderas. Take it easy. Uh, have fun at Monster Fest, mate, and see you when you're back. Sweet. lo mejor, a mujeres no me falta ni el dinero ni el amor, jineteando en mi caballo por la sierra yo me voy, las estrellas y la luna ellas me dicen dónde voy, ay, 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 ay. Me gusta cantar el son, mariachi me acompaña cuando canto mi canción. Me gusta tomar mis copas, aguardientes lo mejor, también el tequila blanco con su sal le da sabor. Ay, 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 mi amor, ay, mi morena de mi corazón. tocar guitarra, me gusta cantar el sol, el mariachi me acompaña cuando canto mi canción, me gusta tomar mis copas, aguardientes lo mejor, también el tequila blanco con su sal de la 